you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have. Turn with me to the book of Luke, to Luke chapter 16. I want to begin there this morning, Luke chapter 16. I want to begin reading in verse 19. Uh, as you get there and you see what scriptures these is, you'll realize that they are very familiar scriptures. As a matter of fact, over the course of my ministry, which has not been that long really, um, I, I can recall preaching on this several times, and so um, I don't recall ever preaching the same thing, uh, but uh, there's, a, there's a lot here in these scriptures, a lot, of, uh, a lot of messages, a lot of points to be made here, and so anyways, God has given me something uh, um, a little bit different uh, to share with you this morning, and I think that it's uh, important. Luke chapter 16, we're going to begin at verse 19 and read through the rest of the, or the end of the chapter. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, "Son, Abraham, excuse me." And Abraham said, "Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented." Verse twenty-six. And besides all these, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot; neither can they pass to us which would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that, they, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here this morning one more time, just thanking you for the good day, thanking you for the many blessings, thanking you, Lord, for... Uh, our church family, for each one that's come our way here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head. Lord, the many blessings that you poured out on us. Lord, we thank you for the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to openly gather here without any kind of fear or persecution or anything like that. We thank you, Lord, for uh, all of these blessings that, that you poured out on us, but we thank you most of all for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. God, we don't deserve it. We're not worthy, and we couldn't do enough, not in a million years could we do enough to thank you or repay you. But God, you knew that anyways, and you did it anyways. 
And so, Lord, let us always be a people with praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. And, Lord, I just pray here this morning, God, that you would just move in a mighty way in our midst. God, that you would just uh, have your way and your will here. Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, you tell us in your word you're the searcher of hearts. There's nothing here that is hidden from you. There's no one here that's hiding anything from you. There's nothing that you don't see. God, you know it all. You know the deepest recesses of our heart and the deepest thoughts. God, there is nothing that you don't see or know. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that you would move in a mighty way here. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would convict us of our sins and where we fall short. I pray, Lord, that uh, uh, you wouldn't give us any peace until we would repent and get things right with you because that's the most important thing. And I pray, Lord, that you would lift us up and that you would encourage us and, God, that you'd draw us near to you. Lord, if there's one that's hurting, one that's struggling, God, whatever the need may be here this morning, Lord, just have your will and your way and we'll give you all the glory for it. But, Lord, above every, Lord, we are looking to see souls added to your kingdom. So, God, have your way and your will. Move by your sweet Holy Spirit. God, I ask for myself. I need your help. I can't preach without you. So I'm asking that you'd preach me one more time here this morning. God, that you'd fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you'd anoint me from on high. Lord, that you'd clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. And place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say here this morning. And I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. This passage of scripture is a familiar scripture. Now there's those who, if you were to study on this and listen to different preachers preach and, and uh, listen to different scholars talk about it and, and teachers teach on it and so on and so forth, you would see it, you would hear, I'm sure, that there are some who say that this account is a parable. And what they mean by that, in my opinion, when they say that, is they, what they mean is they don't want you to take the details too literally. But in all of, my problem with that is in all of Jesus' other parables, there are never any proper names that are given, right? He never tells, in any of these other parables, none of them ever look like this. And so anyways, here he uses Lazarus, Abraham, you know, and you don't see that in these other parables. For that reason and several others, I believe that this is an actual account of a man's life and death whom Jesus knew, right? Whom Jesus was aware of. And so another thing about this is the rich man, right? He is never named. All we know him by is the rich man, right? And really, to be honest with you, who he is is not important. What is important is the fact that this rich man is dead and in hell. His religion could not pray him out. His family could not buy him out. You, you see what I'm trying to say here this morning? Once a person goes to hell, there is no escape. So the account, I don't believe it's a parable, I believe this is an account. The account of the rich man and Lazarus is one of the clearest passages that we have here in the scriptures on the subject of hell. 
And listen to me. Hell is a place of eternal torment for the damned. It is a place where all those that don't want anything to do with God in this life will finally get just exactly what they wanted, an eternity without God. It's a place, the Bible says, the worm nigheth not, and the fire is never quenched. In this passage of Scripture, something that stood out to me as I, the Lord directed my thoughts here and I studied for this message, is in this passage of Scripture, the rich man who is in hell asked for two things, right? The, the first thing he asked, right, he's wanting Abraham to send Lazarus, right? And he asked for someone to dip the tip of their finger in water in order to cool off his tongue. And the second thing, that, or the other thing that he asked, is he asked for someone to be sent to his home, right, to warn his brothers. But what I found so interesting this time going through this is not the two things that he asked for, but the three things that the Lord brought to my mind that he did not ask for. So let me take just a moment to share those with you. The first thing that I noticed was he did not ask the question, why am I here? Think about that with me for just a minute. He didn't ask the question, why am I here? It seems to me that would be the very first question on his lips. Why am I here? Right? Uh, he would notice Lazarus, who was a beggar at, his gate, at the gate of his home, right, when he was still alive, right? And he sees, them over, he sees Lazarus over there in a place of comfort. But here he is in a place of torment. You know, whenever you see uh, or hear and, and see prisoners who are in our prison system, who are being interviewed. Many times, right, it seems like most of the time, they'll, they'll say things like that they were framed, that they don't belong there, right? To, uh, and, and wouldn't you think someone in hell, right, would say, I don't belong here, I was framed, right? Uh, this, it wasn't my fault, right? It's somebody else's fault. And yet the question never comes up. That's because he knew exactly why he was there. He knew that he had not repented of his sins. As a matter of fact, in verse 30, he says if someone would go to, uh, go to them, right, go to his brethren, he says they will repent. Let me stop here for a second to explain repentance in case anybody is not clear. To repent means to have a change of heart that causes you to think differently. It causes you to change your mind about sin, about God, and about yourself. It causes you to change your mind about what is right and what is wrong. It causes you uh, to change your mind about who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong. And when you repent, you turn away from sin. You turn away from disobedience. You turn away from your rebellion and you turn towards God. It's a 180 degree turn. It's a turn from the world and sin to God and holiness and righteousness. Friend, if you've never repented 
and turned your life over to the Lord, you will go to hell. Let me say that again. If you have never repented and turned your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. And when you are there, you'll never ask the question, why am I here? You will know why. This man knew that he had not repented. He knew why he was there. Second question that come to my mind that he never asked. He never asked, when is this going to end? He never does. When I go and visit somebody who is in the hospital, especially if they are still in pain or discomfort, they want to know when that pain is going to stop. If they are suffering, they want to know when that suffering is going to stop. They'll ask the doctor things like, when is this going to stop? When is this going to be over? When will I be uh, back on my feet? When will I be able to leave? When can I get out of here? When can I go home? It's interesting to note that this man who is in hell never asked, when is this going to end? Usually, whenever someone goes to jail, they have one primary goal in mind. That's getting out. When am I going to get out? Right? They're working for that one way or another, right? Whether it's through the justice system or their escape or whatever. They want out. The man never asked. The rich man never asked, when do I get out of hell? Because he knew that there is no end to it and that he would never get out. Listen to me for a minute. Hell was not created for you and I. The Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And it's not God's will that any human being ever go to hell. And I'm just going to be frank with you. If a person does go to hell, it will be because they rejected, or maybe you could say neglected, but rejected is the right word, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which actually means, when you think about that, that every person who goes to hell goes there because they made the decision to go there on their own. When they made the decision to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and to reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior and not to repent and turn to Him, they make the decision, right? They don't want anything with, to do with God, and so they make the decision for an eternity of separation from God. They make the decision to go to hell. Listen, God gave His only begotten Son, right? He gave His own Son to die for all sin so that no one would have to go to hell. And those who do go there, they will do so over the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What I'm trying to say is if you choose, it's a choice you make, if you choose to go to hell, you will have to step over the crucified body of Jesus Christ to get there. And one other thing. And I thought about this for a while. 
And I guess you'll have to give me a little leeway here because he does ask for someone to bring a drop of water on his tongue. But the thing, I don't think that's the same as what I'm trying to say here. He never asks for company, okay? He asks that he, that he could get a drop of water to cool his tongue, but he's not really asking for company there. See, he never asks for company. People in the hospital, they like visitors. They really do. I mean, even if you don't say nothing. Matter of fact, sometimes it's best if you don't say nothing. But they still like for somebody to be there with them. People who are in jail, typically they like visitors or like to get a visitor sometimes. But this man never does say, come visit me. Matter of fact, he says, don't come here. Don't come visit me. Don't come here. Even when people find themselves in miserable, awful circumstances, they still don't like to be alone. That's kind of our nature. Most people, most of the time, there's exceptions to this, but most people, most of the time, like company. Maybe that's why they say misery loves company. Because uh, we like for people to suffer, uh, to suffer through things with us. It's just part of our nature. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but I love this quote, uh, Dr. Um, R.G. Lee. He is one of America's great preachers of the past. He said that he'd like to send the entire congregation at Bellevue Baptist Church to hell for one hour. He said that because, and this is the quote, he said they'd all come back with a heart on fire to win souls for Jesus. I've told him many times, I was, in a, I was at a revival over at Normwood at, at Connell, and uh, Brother Danny Ledbetter was preaching, and he said if God would just open the ground right, and let us peer over for just a moment, he said this place would be full tomorrow night. You see, hell doesn't want any company. This man said... Send somebody to talk to my brothers. Tell them not to come to this place. Tell them about God and his plan is what he's saying. Warn them so that they don't come here. Lost people like to joke about hell. When I was lost, I liked to joke about hell too. I can very vividly remember some of the jokes that I made about hell. I've heard lost people say things like, and I've said things along these lines too, when I was lost. It says, I might as well go to hell because that's where all my buddies is going to be. Right? We like to joke that all of our buddies will be there and it'll just be a big party and we'll just have a big party. We like to make jokes about certain people that, that you know, hell doesn't want them or the devil doesn't want them because he's afraid that they'll take over hell and run the place. And we like to make, see, they're foolish Foolish jokes like that. Well, listen. I've read to you, tried to share with you one of the clearest pictures that we've got in the, in the scriptures on hell. Did you notice that this rich man's buddies, they wasn't nowhere around. Did you notice 
that they wasn't no party going on here. You see, the message from hell is don't let anybody else come here. So my message to you this morning is what are you doing to make sure that no one else goes to hell? I'm serious. This is as serious as it gets. What are you doing? Listen to me. I am thrilled that you are here this morning. I am thrilled that you had decided to to make the effort to get up this morning and to get around and to come to church to gather with other believers to worship God in spirit and truth to give Him the praise and the honor and the glory that He alone is due. That's what, that's what you ought to do. That's what everybody ought to do on the day of worship on the Lord's Day. We ought to gather and worship God and give Him praise and glory. But listen to me. That ain't what it's all about. That's not everything. Right? That is not the whole job is what I'm trying to say. Right? The purpose and job, right, is not just for you to get up and gather here on Sunday and then forget about it the rest of the time. That's not it. I'm asking you here this morning. There is people who are dying and going to a devil's hell every day, every hour, every minute, every moment. Bible tells us hell continually enlarges itself. They ain't ever going to run out of room down there. There's room for more and more and more. Bible tells us the path to heaven is a straight and narrow. But yet the one to hell is a broad path. Many there be that find it. I'm not talking just about people you don't know. I'm talking about people you do know. I'm talking about people that you care about people that you love. I'm talking about your kids and your grandkids. I'm talking about your husband and your wife. I'm talking about your brothers and your sisters, your mommies and your daddies. I'm talking about those, your neighbors, those you care about, your nieces and nephews, your cousins, your aunts and your uncles, the ones that you work with. What is it? What is it that you're doing to make sure that they don't go to hell? Did I tell you this a minute ago? I was thinking this if I didn't say it. How much would you have to hate somebody to not even warn them? Right? If you believe the Word of God, if you believe what it says here, you believe in a real, literal, eternally burning place of torment called hell. Maybe the question needs to be a little more personal. What are you doing to make sure that you don't go to hell? Have you repented? Have you turned your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Him as your Savior? Or are you still doing what you want to do? Living how you want to live? thinking that you can get yourself to heaven or maybe thinking that there's going to be a big party waiting for you in hell. I got news for you, friend. That's not how it'll be. Unless you repent, trust in Jesus, you will go to hell one day. Would you stand to your feet?
I want to open the altar and I want to give you the opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come this morning? you got a need, you got a burden, would you come this morning? Maybe there's somebody that's heavy on your heart and you need to be praying for them. Would you come and pray for them? Maybe, maybe God's dealing with you about some things in your own life. Would you come? Maybe you realize that you're not where you ought to be. You're one of these that I've been talking about this morning that's lost. Not repented. Not turned things over to God. Not made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Not accepted Him. Now I'm begging you this morning, don't leave here. Don't leave here like that. Now is your opportunity. I don't want you to go to hell. Matter of fact, I'd do whatever I could to make sure you didn't go. Listen to me. Let me tell you about another one that doesn't want you to go, and that's God. He's not willing that any should perish, right? But that all should come to repentance. So much so he was willing to sin and give his only begotten son. Jesus died to pay our price so we wouldn't have to go. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden here this morning, would you come? Would you come?